Come on, if you got a Bible, go to Luke 24, verse 13. Yes, we get excited about the Word of God. Luke chapter 24, and if you don't have a Bible, we'll put it up on the screen, verse 13. And as you're turning there, we've been in a series called Red Talks. We've been talking about the words that Jesus shared, the red letters in the Bible, where Jesus specifically spoke. And we're going to pick up on Resurrection Day. And um, Easter was so amazing last week, celebrating, remembering what Jesus did on the cross, raising from the grave. But that same day, it says in Luke 24, verse 13, that same day, everybody say that same day. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles. Everybody say seven miles. All right, seven miles from Jerusalem. So if you're a note taker, you're a history maker, you're a world changer. I want you to just underline that seven miles from Jerusalem. So they're leaving Jerusalem. They're leaving the place where they experienced both the greatness of their Savior, but also the pain and the disappointment and the almost disillusionment of what they expected him to do. And they're headed back home to Emmaus. They're walking seven miles. And as they walked in verse 14, it says, along they were talking about everything that had happened. So they're talking about how Jesus was amazing. He was their savior. He was their pastor, their preacher, their teacher. And then he gets handed over as an innocent man to these religious people who were angry at him and these Roman centurions who beat him to death, put him on a cross and kill him. And they're so angry and hurt and frustrated, disappointed. They're walking and they're talking. And verse 15, they're discussing everything. And all of a sudden, I love this. In verse 15, look at this. All of a sudden, Jesus himself suddenly comes up. Everybody say, sneaky Jesus. He suddenly comes up, but they don't recognize him. Verse 16, God kept them from recognizing him. God kept them from recognizing him. And he asked them, and I'll, I'll get to the message in a minute, but I want to read this passage. He asked them, what are you guys talking so intently about? What are you guys so passionate about? They stopped short, sadness on their face, confusion. They go, where have you been? Have you not seen and heard what's been going on? Have you not heard about the pain we just walked through? You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard the rumors and the stuff that we all faced. Don't you know that Jesus was crucified? He was handed over. He did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher, but yet they crucified him in verse 20, it says. And, and, and they start telling him about all the bad things that happened to Jesus. And in verse 21, I want you to underline this. It says, we had hoped. We had hoped. In other words, we don't have hope anymore because Jesus didn't do what we thought he was gonna do. So they're talking to Jesus about Jesus not knowing it's Jesus. <laughs> That's kind of funny. You know, like he's in disguise. He's like, tell me about this Jesus guy. He's got like a mustache, glasses, hoodie on. They don't know it's him. Have you ever dressed up in disguise or seen someone dressed up in disguise? You know what I'm talking about? And, and, and it's funny. My dad did this one time. We went to another church and uh, he didn't want to be recognized. It was another church in town and it was, it was like a, a service that we didn't have a service time going on. They were doing something in outreach. So he goes in, he's got a hoodie on. He's got like a hat down and you know, he's pastoring Victory Church. This was in the early nineties. Victory was very well known around the city like it is now. And and he comes to this other church. It was uh, Guts. They were doing an outreach called Nightmare. And he comes through, and this 17-year-old intern at Guts comes up to him. And he goes, 
you need to know the Lord. You must not be saved. I can see it. You need Jesus in your heart. My dad just stands there and, you know, this man leads him to Christ, walks over to Pastor Bill Shear, the pastor guts. He goes, I just led that guy to Christ. Pastor Bill goes, son, that's Billy Joe Doherty, the pastor of Victory Church. I'm glad you just got him saved. Everybody say, in disguise. All right, so Jesus is in disguise. He's listening to them talk. And they, they go on to say, they go, and now some women are telling us, give it up for the women preachers in the room. You know, the women were the first ones to the tomb to witness the resurrection and go back and preach about it. So if you don't think God can use women to preach, you haven't been reading your Bible. These women were the first ones to share about the power of the resurrection. And these two men, whoever they are, we know one of them was Cleopas. The other one, we don't know, could have been a man, could have been a woman, but was with Cleopas. They said, these ladies were telling us, but we weren't listening. I could hang out there for a minute right there. How, how sometimes people aren't listening to the ladies talk. You better listen. And he says, some of our men ran to see what they had to say. And sure enough, the body's gone. We don't know where he's at, but we don't think, he, we don't think he's alive. So here they are. They're doubting that God could do what he said he was going to do. They're disappointed. They're discouraged. They're talking to Jesus. They're telling the author about the book that he wrote, not knowing he's the author. And Jesus says, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe that all the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all of these things before entering his glory? In other words, you don't know the whole story. Tell the person next to you, say, you don't know the whole story. Don't get hung up right now because things aren't going your way. You don't see what God sees. He's got a bigger picture. He's doing something you don't see. See, God's up to something when we don't know he's up to something. He's working when we don't even feel like he's working. When we don't see, he's sneaky like that. He's up to something good, even when things look bad. He says, don't you realize all of this had to happen? Don't you realize that all these bad things had to happen in order for something great to happen? Jesus takes them through the writings of Moses all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself, which I heard a preacher say, we should unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament. Jesus used the Old Testament after the resurrection to preach about the power of the resurrection. So we're gonna be one of those churches that never unhutches from the Old Testament or the Bible or what God had to say from Genesis to Revelation. It's all for our good. All right, so Jesus uses the Old Testament. He says, listen, from Moses, from Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, David, Solomon. It was all part of the plan. Isaiah the prophet, Malachi, Nahum, Zechariah. It was all leading to this. And these, these two people are listening to Jesus and they're seeing it. They're starting to recognize all the Easter eggs that were hidden in there that they never did find. And then they beg him in verse 29. They said, please stay with us. This message is so good. We've been walking for seven miles. We didn't even realize we're, we're done with our walk. We're here. We're at Emmaus. Stay the night with us. It's getting late. Jesus said, I don't know. He's a gentleman. He won't force himself. He only operates. He's invitation only. So they invite him to stay. He sits down to have a meal with them to eat. He takes the bread. He blesses it. He breaks the bread just like their hope was broken, just like his body was broken. And he gives the breaking of the bread to them. And in the breaking, watch what happens next. Verse 31, suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized it was Jesus. And at that moment, he disappeared. He's gone. 
And they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road, as he preached the scriptures to us? Didn't our hearts catch on fire? And within that same hour, they decided to go back to Jerusalem. Now, I need your help this morning with my sermon. I've given every service the chance to help me pick the title. You guys want to help me pick the title today? I'm a title guy, and I think titles matter because titles kind of help you to remember the sermon. So let's start off with this first title, Sneaky Jesus. How many of you guys like this title? You're like, this is kind of good. It's kind of weird. Creeping up on Cleo, Sneaky Jesus. How many of y'all vote for that one? Okay. How many of y'all like this message? Um, throw up the next title. Throw up the next title. I didn't see that coming. How many of y'all like that? You're like, that's pretty good. That's, that's more positive. Turn to someone next to say, I didn't see that coming. Okay, I got another title for you. We're, we're going to vote. Next title. Uh, heartburn. <laughs> okay, that would, I feel like that's a no. All right, next one, next one, <laughs> next one. Heart on fire? Heart on fire. Is that pretty good? Okay, all right, we got a couple of takers for that. All right, next one. Surprised by Jesus. Surprise, it's Jesus. I could keep going. I got like a hundred titles. You're like, just move on. All right, let me, let me show you like one or two more. Next one, next one. The 14 mile journey. <laughs> all right, let's go to the next one. <laughs> he was there all along. All right, that's the one, that's the one. Thank you so much, Marcus. Give it up for the worship team. Don't they do a great job? They just make everything sound so beautiful. Everybody say, he was there all along. He was there all along. Here these two guys are, and they're walking away from Jerusalem, walking away from their purpose. Jerusalem, if you're taking notes, you could just put Jerusalem equals purpose. Purpose. The place, the people, the purpose that Jesus had for his disciples was to stay in Jerusalem. So they're walking away from Jerusalem. They're headed towards Emmaus, and he interrupts them. Divine interruption, divine intersection. Some of you have been walking one way, and God's about to interrupt you. God's about to get you back to the purpose, the place, and the people that he's called you to be connected to. That's why some of you are here today. It's because he's brought you back. It's because he called our friend Wendy back. Some of them that just got baptized, they've been on a journey walking away, and God brought them back. Somebody say, get back. So they're walking away from Jerusalem because they've allowed pain to derail them from their purpose. Why do believers walk away from God's purpose? These are disciples. These are not atheists. These are not people who've never heard about him. These are people that were with him. And, and after the crucifixion, they didn't believe in the resurrection yet because they hadn't seen it. After that crucifixion, Peter, James, John, Matthew, all these disciples are gathered in the upper room. But Cleo and his friend are like, no, we're not going back there. It's too painful, it's too frustrating, there's too much disappointment. See you later, Peter, we're going to Emmaus. Why do believers walk away from God's purpose? I wanna give you a couple of reasons why. I think number one is disappointment. When we get disappointed, and disappointment is inevitable. My friends, disappointment comes on believers and unbelievers. This is a part of life. I'm here today and I can tell you how many times I've been disappointed. You don't wanna hear that sob country song story. That's not why you came to church, because you have your own. You're like, yeah, I've lost people too. I've lost friends. I've lost family members. I've lost my dog. I've lost my job. I got a country song myself. I've got things that I've been disappointed by. Disappointment is inevitable, but misery is optional. Staying in the place of disappointment and going, fine, I'm out of here. See, Grand Grand sitting on the front row. She's 99 and a half years old almost, going on 100. 
When her husband passed away over 30 years ago, when she was 57, she had an option. Do I get bitter? Do I leave the church? Do I get angry? Or do I lean in and draw closer to Jesus? We have an option during disappointment. We can either draw closer to God because he is close to the brokenhearted, or we can walk away from God because we're number two, bitter. Why do people walk away from God's purpose? Bitterness. Bitterness. It's this resentment. I can't forgive God for this. I just can't forgive myself. I can't forgive the church. I can't forgive other people. I've been hurt and I don't know how to move on. Why do people walk away from God's purpose? Bitterness. You can get bitter or you can get better, but you can't do both. We have a choice. And here they are walking, disappointment, bitterness, third doubt. I doubt, I just doubt God could turn this around. I doubt God could turn my days, my best days are behind me. God's finished with the Darty family. He's done with our story. And I doubt things, remember, remember that verse we underlined? We had hoped. They lost their hope because things didn't go the way they wanted. I'm telling you, friends, things don't always go the way we want. I prayed for my dad to get healed. We all prayed. And then he passed away. And then we had a choice. Do I go back to Jerusalem or do I walk away? I just can't, I can't go back to the place where the pain is at. And yet, if you don't face the pain, you'll carry the pain with you to Emmaus. You'll carry the pain with you to the next place and the next marriage and the next church and the next situation. Until you stay in a place where God wants to do his healing, restorative work, you can't experience the change that God wants to bring. So believers walk away in bitterness and doubt and then fourthly, defeat. This last week was Grandparents Day at our school, Victor Christian School, and uh, there was like a thousand plus parents, grandparents, family members in the room, and we have five kids, three of them are in the school, and so we have a third grader, a first grader, and a kindergartner. Um, so the third grader does his thing, first grader, Benny, Liam do their thing, well, Matt comes out, he's in K-4. And I'm sitting on the front row with my mom, with Ashley, with uh, Papa, Ashley's dad, and Grand Grand. We're all sitting there cheering on our boys, you know, Grandparents' Day. And when Max sees us, he goes, no! He just runs over, grabs my wife, you know, sits in his mama's lap, and he goes, I am not getting on that stage. I am not getting on that stage. All the kids are getting on the stage. I'm watching it happen. I'm feeling a little embarrassed, and, and I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? And the teacher's like, Matt, come up here. And everybody's watching the situation. And I'm just like losing hair as I'm watching this. I'm like... I'm <laughs> Have you ever been stressed at times and you just feel embarrassed? And, and Mac was like, I can't get on that stage. I'm not getting on that stage. He just crossed his arms. And I'm like, you are getting on that stage in Jesus' name. And I'm like ready to spank. You know, I'm ready to do something. And, and I just feel like this, just be peaceful, just be gentle, just we're gonna work with Mac through this. And God has blessed us with a Mac and it is a good bless. How many of y'all have some Macs in your life that are just, God has used Mac to, to really grow us in, in many ways. And I love my Mac, I love all our kids. Um, but I'm sitting there and finally we convince Mac to get on the stage. He holds hands with Liam, sings his song and I was so proud of him, he got through it. But I think some believers refuse to be where God's asking them to be because they just feel defeated. They just feel like, man, I, I'm defeated. Like, I can't get back up. Can't get back up. Took the kids to go see Mario this past week. We're watching the movie. And after the movie, I asked the boys, you know, what did you learn? And they were like, well, Mario and Luigi, you know, because they got New Yorkie accents. They're like, Mario and Luigi were brothers. And I was like, yeah. And Mario wasn't the strongest or the smartest, 
But when he got knocked down, he kept getting back up. And I was like, that's it. You got to get back up. Can I tell you some believers have been knocked down and they just stay down. But we serve a resurrected Savior who's calling believers, get back up. Get back up, my friends. Get back into the purpose, the place. And so here they are. They're walking. They're walking away because of disappointment, bitterness, doubt, defeat, too much pain, embarrassment, shame, unhealthy grief. It's one thing to grieve because we all have to grieve. You can't grieve. You can't leave something that you haven't grieved. But when you grieve in an unhealthy way, see, believers, we're taught that we can grieve with hope. So I could grieve and go, you know, I was counting on God to turn that situation around, and it didn't turn around. And I'm heartbroken over it, and it's painful. Some of you have walked through the loss of a loved one. You're going, I prayed that they were going to get healed, and, and they passed on, and I grieve. But you find me in four, five, six months, seven months, I'm, I'm moving forward with life, even though there's pain, even though there's loss, I'm moving forward with purpose because I don't grieve hopelessly. I grieve knowing that one day I'm gonna see my believer, my loved one again in heaven. And I also believe that even in my grief and painful things that I can't see turn around, that God's working all things together for my good, according to those who love God. I don't grieve hopelessly. When I grieve hopelessly, I walk away from church, I walk away from God, I walk away from community, I isolate, I just go, ah, I can't handle this. But when I grieve with hope, I can stay connected to God. Why do people walk away from God's purpose? Life is easier and more comfortable in Emmaus. So we find the guys, we find Cleo and his friend walking on the road, and watch this, it says, Jesus suddenly comes up in verse 15, and he begins walking with them, but verse 16, they didn't recognize it was him. I remember hearing sermons about the power of Jesus, the strength of Jesus, the sovereignty of Jesus as a pastor's kid. I heard all these messages, but I never heard my dad talk about sneaky Jesus. And my mom was a sneaky mom at times. She would hide behind the corner, jump out and scare us. And I would like faint. I'm, I'm such a jumpy person. I'd like scream and I'd just fall down. <laughs> We would watch movies about Left Behind, Mark of the Beast, you know, Pastor's Kid movies. You just watch all like the end times, Revelation movies. And an airplane would fly over the sky and I would feel like the rapture was happening. I'd run in the house, clothes are on the floor and I'm like, mom and dad got took, we're left behind. I, like I was always afraid. There was always some sort of a scare situation. You know, Jesus, I'm not saying that he was like dishonest, but he would do things. The, the Bible says he would come like a thief in the night that he would surprise you. Many times he was mistaken as a ghost by his own disciples. If you don't believe me, read the Bible. One day, Jesus tells his disciples, go out on the boat, go, go across the sea. I'll see you guys on the other side. And then he like sneaks around. Sneaky, sneaky. And he starts walking on the water. And they go, it's a ghost. And he's like, nope, it's just me. Come walking on. Jesus was sneaky. Like one time he appeared in the upper room and he literally walked through the wall. Like you, you read it. The, the doors were locked. He didn't open a door. He just, dis, like his body goes, whoop, just comes through the door and he's there in the room. He was sneaky like that. And it's interesting when you read the Bible, even the day that he rose from the grave, he was so sneaky. He got out before anyone could find him in there. While it was dark, he sneaks out and when the women show up, the stone's been rolled away and he's like, he's pretending to be a gardener. 
Seriously, read the Bible. Jesus did things to surprise people. What makes you think he's not sneaking up in your life right now? What makes you think? See, sometimes we think when God shows up, it's spectacular. Big boom, he's here. But sometimes he sneaks up in ordinary situations. And he's the gardener. Sometimes he's the stranger on the road to Emmaus. Walking with you as you're deconstructing your own faith. And he's going, I'm with you. You don't know I'm here, but I'm here. And I'm trying to remind you that everything you're deconstructing is from human perspective. And God doesn't look at things through human perspective. You got to go back to the scriptures if you really want to understand what faith is. So Jesus is there and he's sneaking up. And Jesus will oftentimes do this in our lives. He won't give you an advance notice. He won't give you a waiver to sign. He won't put it up in the sky. He'll sneak things into your life just like he did with Peter in the storm, just like he did with Mary in the garden. He'll sneak victory into your life, but he'll dress it up as defeat. He did this on the cross. He's hanging on the cross and he speaks in code language. It is finished. The devil and the demons and the world go, yes, it's done. The Holy Spirit's like, wink, wink, yes. He was sneaky because he was preparing the resurrection. He will sneak things into your life that don't look like what they're about to become. He'll sneak glory into your life, but it won't look like glory at first. He'll sneak blessing into your life, but it won't look like blessing. At first, it might even feel like a curse, chaos. But there's a blessing on the other side, Job. There's a blessing on the other side, Peter. There's a blessing on the other side. He will sneak patience into your life, but he'll dress it up as a teenager. He'll dress it up as a four-year-old Mac who doesn't want to get up on stage. He'll, he'll, he'll sneak joy into your life, but he'll package it with tears. He'll sneak strength into your life, but he'll package it as sorrow. Those who sow in tears will reap a harvest of joy. He'll sneak the best days into your life through the worst days. I've seen it in my own life. My worst days were the start of my best days. I didn't know it because I'm weeping and I'm feeling overwhelmed and I'm stressed and I'm hurting and God's like, glory. Your greatest growth is happening in your hardest season. In your most painful, sorrowful season, God is giving you strength. He's packaging it differently. He's sneaky like this. He was there all along and you don't see it when you're in it. We don't, like these guys don't even see they're walking seven miles and they don't realize they're walking with Jesus. You don't realize glory is happening when it's happening. You don't see it until it's over, until afterwards. We usually realize it on the return trip, the seven miles back to Jerusalem. We're like, oh, that's what he was doing in 2022. That's what he was doing in 2020. In the middle of COVID, I was like, ah, can COVID be over? Two years later, I'm like, wow, God was doing something that could only happen during that season in my life and in our church that had to be through that situation. I'm not saying God sent it. I'm just saying God sneaks the blessings in the middle of it. He comes in and he slips in secretly. He disguises himself. And he comes through and he brings peace in the midst of your chaos. He brings strength in the midst of your sorrow. 
Like when we look back on things, even like family vacations, right? This is, this is hilarious. When I look back on family vacations on pictures on my phone, I'm like, that was amazing. That was the greatest ever. But I'm literally forgetting that on that trip, there was a lot of insane, intense moments with the kids screaming, diapered, like we're hot, we're overwhelmed and frustrated, but we remember the good, right? We look back on them, we go, that was so good. How many of y'all have looked back on something that you didn't see it in while it was happening, but years later, you're like, God was doing something. How many of y'all, you, you see it? And what makes you think he's not doing something right now? He's up to something right now. He's working right now. He's doing something, even while you're sitting in this room, Why you're in Tulsa. And then they get to this place and they say, Jesus, stay with us. They were so overwhelmed by the message that he was sharing with them that they say, Jesus, stay with us. We need what you have. They don't know it's Jesus. He's a stranger. They go, sir, stay with us. And as he's staying there, he breaks the bread and he reveals who he is to them. It's when they see the bread broken. They had all been talking about their pain, their disappointment, how we had hoped their hopes were broken. That when the bread was broken and their hopes were broken, all of a sudden their eyes were open. Oftentimes we don't get the revelation of what God's up to until we get to the broken place. When we're at the altar and we go, God, I see it now. I see what you've been up to. I want the band to come out. Jesus wants to reveal himself to you. And when they see it, they said, didn't our hearts burn within us? Didn't our hearts burn within us? How do you get your heart burning again? Some of you have lost the fire. It's down to a flicker. You don't even realize it. You've not been motivated to get in the word, not been motivated to, to linger in the presence of God. I wanna just give you a few thoughts here on how to get your heart burning again. These guys were so on fire, they ran seven miles back on the same day they had walked seven miles. The first seven miles, they were walking in the dark. They were walking in confusion, disappointment, discouragement, but Jesus was there, and he's always there with you, even in your pain. Jesus never abandons you. The world might abandon you, but God never abandons you. He's with you through the divorce. He's with you through the death. He's with you through your own painful mistakes. How many of y'all made some mistakes that you were like, that was ridiculously dumb of me? Half of us in the room. The other half are the, the people that experienced our dumb mistakes. I'm so glad that even in the midst of all of life's good, bad, and ugly moments, God's there. He's walking with you. He's, he was there all along. He was there on mile one, mile two, mile three, mile four, mile five. He was there when you lost your dad. He was there through the divorce. He was there when things didn't turn out the way you thought they would turn out. He was there when you prayed for this situation to turn around and never turn around. He was there when the friends left you. He was there. He was there all along and he was doing something good. And the boy, the Cleo and his friend, they start to realize it. They're like, my goodness, our hearts were on fire with this person. No wonder it was Jesus. How do I get my heart burning again? Number one, I gotta walk with Jesus. I gotta learn to walk with, I gotta have an awareness that Jesus is walking with me. Last week, I was down here at the altar and I'm praying with people and this, this hand grabs my shoulder. He's like, I need to talk to you, man. I need to talk to you. And, and you know, one of the ushers came by and he was like, pastor, do I need to get him? And I was like, no, 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 let him talk to me. And his name was Luke. And he said, I was, um, I was in my apartment and I was 
thinking about suicide because I was hopeless and I was overwhelmed and I was discouraged and I've been in rodeo for a long time and, and I came here from Vegas and um, he said there was this there was this sermon that came on the TV late night. It's our victory late night show. We're on the late night slot. It's the cheapest slot we could get on as a church. But it's also the slot that people, after they've watched Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, or whoever they watch at late night, it's the people that are still awake at 1 a.m. And they're like, what in the world is this church doing? And I'm talking about your best days are right in front of you. And he said, I started listening to your sermon. And he said, it interrupted my hopelessness. It interrupted my, my thoughts. And I realized Jesus was with me. And he wanted to save me. And he said, I came. I didn't know your church was here. I thought your church was in Houston. <laughs> I was like, I'm not Joel Osteen. <laughs> and he said, I thought your church was in another place. And he came and he gave his heart to Jesus. And today, I want to show you a picture of Luke. This is me and him last week. But today, today, just 30 minutes ago, he just got baptized in the tank. Just 30 minutes ago, 40 minutes ago. Luke, where are you? Wherever you are, stand up. Luke, if you're in the house, where is he? There he is. There's Luke right there. And he, and he shaved his hair, cut his hair. Come on, Luke. Jesus showed up on his road to Emmaus and said, I'm not done with your story. He's walking with you. He's walking with you. Number two, how do you get your heart burning again? You start talking with Jesus. I love that these guys talked with Jesus, not knowing it was Jesus, and they talked freely. They were like, we're angry, we're hurt, we're disappointed. Sometimes in the word of faith circle, we're like, you know, how are you doing? Super natural, blessed and highly favored. I'm doing good. <laughs> and I'm the same way, I'm the same way. I'm like, I'm great, man, praise God. But inwardly, if you really got to know me, I'd say, it's a tough week. I feel like I've not been the best dad. I feel like I haven't spent enough time with all my kids. I feel like, I don't know, I feel like I didn't preach the best sermon. It was like a six out of 10. And I feel like I, I'm coming up short in some areas. And, and if I felt like I was free to say whatever I wanted to say, and you were just there to talk with me, I might share a little bit more. And I love that these two felt like they could talk to Jesus about anything. How do you get your heart burning again? You start talking to Jesus like he's your best friend. Number three, how do we get our hearts burning again? We listen to Jesus. We shut our mouth when we're done talking. These guys started listening. You get still, you turn off your phone. You forget about ESPN. You forget about what's after church. You forget about the restaurant. You just literally go, I just wanna be here. I literally just wanna be totally undistracted in church. And I'm telling you, the 11 a.m. service might be the most distracting service we have, but it's also the funnest service we have. I love this service. I wouldn't have it any. How many of y'all love the 11 a.m. service? You are ride or you are with me, man. We are in this. And sometimes you got screams going on in the room, shouts. And it's, some of it's just my family. It's just my, my kids, my brother, my nephew, me, my wife, like we, we understand, but then when you're alone with Jesus, I'm just telling you, turn off all the distractions. As much as possible, just sit and meditate and go, God, talk to me. Help me to sort through my thoughts because we call counselors and we'll listen to them. Why not call the greatest counselor, the Holy Spirit, and go, I need you to talk to me. Talk me out of some dumb decisions I'm thinking about. Talk me back into the path to Jerusalem. Even if it's painful, I'd rather be in a painful place getting healed than walking away from pain thinking I can get healed in Emmaus when I'm just carrying it with me to the next thing. So Jesus says, come on, man. 
You know where you're supposed to be. You know where you're called. Desire to abide. Number four, desire to abide and linger longer in his presence. Jesus says, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. You'll get your fire back if you linger longer in the presence of God. Abide in his presence. Make your alarm clock a worship song. Instead of beep, 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 beep. You have no rival. You have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Waymaker, miracle work. Just get worship in your house. Get the presence of God filling up your car. Turn your car into a church service. I'm telling you, go to church in your car every single day. Put on the Victory Podcast. Put on some worship music. Start abiding longer in the presence of God. Number five, take communion. Don't wait for communion at church to have communion. Take the bread, take the juice at home, and remember the body was broken for you. Remember his blood was poured out for the remission of our sins. He forgives. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus forgives you. He forgives you. He loves you. Wake up every day remembering that he has forgiven you and he loves you. Number six, ask for God in prayer to have open eyes and ears to understand Scripture. Ask for God. So often we're looking for a brand new revelation when God says, I just want you to see what I've already written. I want you to have eyes to to read through Luke 24 and go, oh, that's what he was up to. He was sneaking up on an ordinary day and an ordinary moment, and he was doing something spectacular, and they didn't see it. Number seven, final point here, run with his word and love and presence to share it with others. When these two encountered Jesus, the next thing they did was, we got to get back to Jerusalem and we got to tell Peter, James, John, Matthew, Thomas. We got to tell everyone we know, Mary, Martha, Lazarus. We got to tell everyone we know, Jesus is alive and the best is yet to come. And God's not finished with the story. And God's not done with your testimony. Would you close your eyes all over this place? I think this year, Jesus has been wetting the appetite of the church. When we were at Mario, there was commercials. And there was this movie commercial came on. And Mac was so excited. He runs over me, grabs me, and goes, we got to see this movie tonight. Right after Mario. Like we have nothing else to do but watch movies. He's like, can we go see this movie right after this one? Liam goes, Mac. It hasn't come out yet. And he goes, yes, it has. Liam goes, no, no, no. That's the trailer. And Mac was like, what's a trailer? That's the movie. We got to see it. Liam goes, that was the reveal. But it hasn't been released yet. And there's a space between the reveal and the release. Jesus was revealing himself to them, but he had not released the spirit yet. He was preparing them. I remember seeing commercials for Top Gun Maverick three years before the movie came out. What were they doing? They were trying to get us anticipating the movie's coming, the story's coming, the new iPhone's coming out, these new sneakers are coming. People line up with anticipation. Jesus is stirring his church up in 2023. Don't get weary, church. Don't get weary. Don't be like, I don't know if anything's coming. I don't know where the revival's at. We saw a little trailer in February. It's coming. More is coming. And he is among us, my friends. He's walking with you right now. And he is saying, don't you dare miss out on what I'm about to do in Jerusalem. Don't you dare miss out on what I'm about to do in this church. Don't miss out. The reveal has already happened. We're waiting on the release. 
And Jesus gets these two disciples on the road to Emmaus. He says, you got to get back for the release. You got to get in line. You don't want to miss these sneakers. You don't want to miss this new iPhone. You don't want to miss this. What's about to happen is going to be worth the wait. It's going to be worth the anticipation. Church, I don't know what's what's got some of you discouraged, disillusioned, disappointed, maybe overwhelmed, complacent, but I'm telling you this morning, it's time to get your fire back. You haven't been experiencing the passion you want to experience. Maybe you're in a place right now where you've experienced just some pain, some disappointment, some disillusionment. Maybe you're tempted to feel a little bitter and God says, bring it to me. I'm close to the brokenhearted. Bring it to the altar. Let me consume it with holy fire. Let me remind you that every painful thing will be used in a purposeful way for your testimony in the future. He says, I'm wrapping glory into your story. It might feel like tears right now, but I'm about to bring something glorious. The preseason of glory doesn't feel like glory, but it's preparation for the glory that God has. He says, I've got something powerful and I'm up to something good and I'm going to turn things around and don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. I think God wants to restore hope today. I think he wants to restore hope at this altar for moms and dads, sons and daughters, husbands and wives, people here today. And you just go, I just need that hope restored. I need that passion to believe and trust in the promises of God that he is faithful to do what he has spoken to me in the middle of the night, what he has whispered in my heart during prayer time. I just need that hope just stirred up again. I need that faith stirred up again. All over this room, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. If God's speaking to you, yeah, from the front row to the back row, you're here today. Maybe you're not a believer and you want to become a believer. You're here today. You want you want Jesus to be Lord of your life. You join us as well. But if you're a believer today and you just need your hope, your faith relit again, you're like those two on the road to Emmaus. You're going, I just need to get that fire, that hope, that passion again. I'm going to ask everyone that raised your hand and even those that didn't raise your hand, if you want to get down to this altar, just leave your seat. Come and join me at this altar. We're going to worship for a few minutes. We're going to linger a little bit in his presence and we're going to believe that God is going to move in your heart today, that he's going to move in your life today, that he's going to do a miracle in your life and he's going to start with your heart, your mind, your spirit. And those of you in the room that need healing in your body, come down to the altar. Let's believe that God can do it. Why not believe that God can heal your body? Why not believe that God could cure you of cancer? If Jesus was healing people back then and he healed, we saw someone, someone got a miracle last week. Someone got healed last week in our Easter service. Miracles are happening every single week. If he's doing it again, maybe he can do it for you. Maybe he's doing it right now and you don't even see it. He's up to something. He's writing your testimony. We're going to open this altar up if you want to come down. Can we cheer on brave men, brave women, boys and girls, families that are coming down to the altar? Today is a day of healing and restoration. Lamar, would you lead us in that song? Let's just begin to worship Jesus right now. Lord, I want to know you. I want your presence. God, I want your hope restored. I want to know you, Jesus. I want to know you like never before. God, I want to know you. He sees you. He's for you. He's not against you. He's with you. He's not forsaken you. He's not forgotten you.
Just ask him. Ask him for more. Ask him to fill your heart. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. There's a song we used to sing called Not For A Moment. Can you sing that? Because I want you, and I want, can we throw the title back up on the screen? Not the first six titles, the last title we chose. No, I'm serious, because I want you to remember that he's been there all along. He's been there all along. He was there all along. And as Lamar sings this chorus, I know not everyone's down at the altar and you're going, what about us here in the back? What do you want us to do? I just, I want you to remember that the Holy Spirit is with you wherever you go, that God is with you. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. And before we dismiss the service, Lamar, would you just lead us in that chorus and just put your hand on your heart, friends, and just sing this with us. Go. And not for a moment was I forsaken. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. Come holy with you and he's for you he's been there all along 
He's got a testimony for you. He's got a testimony for you. He's got a beautiful story that he's writing for you. say this with me. Jesus, thank you that you are with me. You are for me, not against me. Your mercy is new this morning. I put my faith in you. My hope is restored because of you. Your resurrection gives me hope. So I'm trusting in you. I repent of sin and I receive your forgiveness. Thank you for saving me. Holy Spirit, refresh the fire. Restore the hope that the enemy tried to steal. Thank you, Jesus, that you're not finished with my story. My best days are right in front of me, and I will give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.